Welcome to the Diamonds for Our Children podcast, a public humanities project and motherhood ministry. I'm your host, Katie Jo LaRiviere. Drawing on all aspects of what Pope St. John Paul II called the feminine genius, I gathered together the narratives, expressions, and expertise of mothers as a collective epistolary given freely as a gift to all children who might need the loving and secure presence of motherhood. This podcast is for my little ones, of course, but it's also for you, dear one, whomever and wherever you may be. If you need the love of a mother, join me every Monday. Each episode is a facet of the diamond of motherhood, and each contributes to a unified love that reflects light back onto the world. Let us fill our hearts up so that we can pour them out. In her recent book, The Well-Gardened Mind, Dr. Sue Stewart-Smith, brilliant psychiatrist, psychotherapist, mother, and gardener, explains the brain this way. She says, The idea that we can cultivate the soul or the self like a garden goes back to ancient times and is beginning to be applied to the brain in contemporary science. The cells that create our neural networks have a branching structure and were named dendrites after the Latin word for tree because of their striking resemblance to one. This resemblance, it has recently been discovered, reflects the fact that neuronal arbors and plants grow according to the operation of the same three mathematical laws. A deeper similarity can be found in the active process of pruning and weeding that maintains the health of our neural networks and is carried out by a group of cells that function as the brain's resident gardeners. Dr. Stuart Smith continues to explain that a constant process of being weeded, pruned, and fertilized keeps the brain healthy at a cellular level. The activity of the microglia exemplifies one of the fundamental laws that govern life, that health is not a passive process. What is taking place on a microscopic scale also needs to happen on a larger canvas. The mind needs to be gardened too. Our emotional lives are complex and need constant tending and reworking. The form this takes will be different for each one of us, but fundamentally, in order to counteract negative and self-destructive forces, we need to cultivate a caring and creative attitude. Above all, we need to recognize what nourishes us. In the spring of 2020, Things seemed to be in shambles. The COVID-19 pandemic had hit and changed our lives forever. That's such a cliche saying, but it's true. And you'll remember no longer being able to go to school. Your dad and I suddenly shifted to working from home, and it's too difficult right now to describe, honestly, because we're still in the middle of it as I record this. I have no doubt that even the smallest of you will remember the uncertainty, the strangeness, the chaos of this year. Yet there was much else falling apart for me during that time, in that spring, and even now, um, that I hope, honestly, you will not remember. I hope when you look back upon this year, you will remember the friends you made, 
even in the midst of social isolation and homeschooling and the memories we made as a family. At the very least, I can count on you remembering that we ended this wild ride by adopting our very first family pet, a puppy named Hildy. Bringing Hildy into our family is one example of what I'm going to tell you about today, but while I could gush at length about this sweet puppy, you'll have to be satisfied for now with the picture I've put in the show notes. The task for today is to draw a through line for you between the preface to this episode, that lovely passage from Dr. Stuart Smith, and the introduction I just gave to the year 2020. And it's going to come in the form of several lovely beings who saved me in a very particular way. Whitney, Bertie, Alice, Edna, Lucy, Fran, Jane Francis, Venus, Splat, my little hollyhocks, Plum, Cat, Ruby, and Beloved. Of course, your aunties were involved too. When everything was falling apart for me personally, professionally, and globally in the spring of 2020, your aunties patiently and tenderly encouraged me to do just as Dr. Stuart Smith recommends, to quote, cultivate a caring and creative attitude. First, by filling up my own cup enough to pour out just a little They lovingly inspired me to pour my cup out on the gentlest of beings, my houseplants, the aforementioned ladies. At the time, I only had three small plants and I had purchased them from Ikea of all places, but they had survived a few months with me, which was a record. Before this, I always said I could keep three kids alive, but I was a total hopeless case with houseplants. Yet, with their disposition of care, and non-judgment, my sisters explained the most basic things to me like the timing of watering, using neem oil, repotting, and light exposure. They taught me to observe their needs by noticing the small, intimate ways that plants communicate. With patience and love, they observed the growth of my plants and plant collection as I grew in self-belief. They memorized the names of my plants and cheered for me each time there was a new bud and leaf. Carlene sent me a packet of hollyhock seeds and helped me grow them into tall, viridescent stalks. In other words, my sisters loved me, and they mothered me through my suffering. They reminded me that caring for something outside of myself, no matter how seemingly small, was in fact the grandest thing I could do, because this action not only preserved my own life, but bore fruit upon others. Through the simple act of caring for houseplants, I was reminded of that which nourishes me, that learning something new is caring for myself, and that joy comes of giving myself to others, loving them so that they can learn to love themselves watching them grow, and appreciating their quiet beauty. You too, my darlings, learned the names of my plants. You learned to appreciate their beauty. You learned how exciting it is to observe a new bud sprouting. You would run to me and pull me by the hand over to Birdie because she's the large plant with very impressive buds that grow into leaves four times the size of my hand. You'd say, 
Mom, I have something to show you. Birdie is pregnant. And in that way, you expressed a necessary awe at the thrill of new life, the joy of renewal. This joy gave birth to our many walks through the Lake Washington Arboretum, where we marveled together at God's glory in the plants he has created, where we thanked him many times for his goodness. The love and care of plants, as with most beautiful things in the world, connects deeply to the spirit, to the soul. In our quest to know everything, humans forget too much. Dr. Stuart Smith's discussion of the brain's neuronal pathways, those named dendrites for their resemblance to trees, reminds us that we are natural, created beings, that our brains, ourselves, our souls, are not like computers, binary, robotic, and man-made. We are systems that are part of systems, naturally beautiful, naturally diverse, naturally good, naturally mysterious, and better for all of it. The order of the mathematical laws to which our plant-like brains are subject is an order more grandiose, more sustainable, and more capable than the computer model gives us credit for. This truth of our making, that our brain resembles the trees, provides a tangible etiology for what we are extraordinarily complex, self-giving, and other-oriented as trees are. Remember when we saw the nurse logs in the redwood forest? It is visible now to science that our neurons work in this way, and the visible in this world always points to or reveals the invisible reality behind it. It participates in the greater reality of our creation. Moreover, that our brains work like trees requires that we attend to a distinction we must hold deep within our understanding of what is real. We must attend to a difference between who you are and what you are. Who you are is the result of your choices in this life. It is the combination of the paths you are given and those you take your responses to circumstances that happen to you and those you set into motion, the way you treat others and the love you give or withhold. Who you are is the collective reflection of all your actions and their consequences, including actions you choose not to take. These choices collaborate with your genetic disposition. Are you an oak tree or a Japanese maple? and what you do with what you have. Do you create a home for others like the oak, or do you offer the painted beauty of the maple? And who you are is the reflection of what you understand about yourself. Now, if you understand that who you are is rather the outcome and not the foundation, then you must inquire about that foundation and allow it to shape who you become. Here it is as plain as I can make it. You are the image and likeness of God, a loving God, a giving and loving God who is both utterly other than you and intimately close to your being. When you came into existence, God gave you a bit of himself, which is to say he made a gift of being to you. And the word we use for this gift is love. 
As with trees, perfect, self-giving love always bears fruit, and you are the fruit of his love. But fruits also contain seeds, and so you are also the seed that perpetuates love through your own self-giving. Love is what you are and who you are meant to be. Because, like us, the tree is an outpouring of God's creative love, we can learn from the tree what is meant by the concept of love as a foundation of the self. The tree gives itself to each creature and purpose with its whole integrated self. It gives without discriminating between who is worthy and who is not worthy of its shade, its fruit, its wood. Yet it is not a passive being. Trees, as recent science affirms, communicate with one another, and in a storm they hold each other's roots to keep each other standing. In his book, The Hidden Life of Trees, Peter Wallabin explains the scientific fact that, quote, much like human families, tree parents live together with their children, communicate with them, and support them as they grow, sharing nutrients with those who are sick or struggling, and creating an ecosystem that mitigates the impacts of extremes of heat and cold for the whole group. As a result of such interactions, trees in a family or community are protected and can live to be very old. Trees, it might be said, know how to be human better than we do. The dynamic love between these plants is possible because they are capable of learning. They are steadfast in what they are as beings made to give of themselves, but they are flexible in who they are and how they grow. When they are pruned, whether by humans or by nature, they find new avenues for growth. They are resilient because they are not made to merely survive, nor merely to serve themselves. So it is with you and I, my love. Sometimes we forget what we are, and we think that our choices are ourselves. We get sad when we forget that we are loved and we are love. We lose our way. In these moments, I want you to hold fast to the reality of what you are. Reach out your roots like the trees. Find your siblings and hold on to them. Your siblings are a gift to cherish. Whether you do or do not have biological siblings, my dear, invest yourself in a community of other dendritic humans toward whom you can reach out your roots. Remind yourself that the slow vibrancy of a tree is a sign of God's creative love for you. Go into the forest, sow the seeds of self-belief, and find your direction home to him. Time to talk about this week's resources, and boy, could I list about a hundred. I'll definitely list the two books I referenced in today's episode, The Well-Gardened Mind and The Hidden Life of Trees. In addition, though, I'm going to recommend St. Augustine's Confessions, of course, which is a foundational text of Western philosophy, but also an intimate portrayal of a man seeking answers to some of the same questions I presented to you today. 
Thank you so much for spending time with me this week. You are a beloved child, and today, for just a few moments, you chose to be with me. I'm so honored by that. I hope you can feel how much you are loved. If you know someone who could benefit by spending time with us, will you invite them to the Diamonds for Our Children community? Help them find our website at diamondsforourchildren.com. Send them a link to the show on Spotify, Apple, or any podcast platform. Or search for Diamonds for Our Children on Patreon. Patreon members are eligible for lots of good things, especially the opportunity to help me turn this mama love into tangible giving in our communities. You can also share what the show means to you by reviewing the podcast on the free Apple podcast app. Rating and reviewing helps others to find our community and our love. And who knows, your review might just be featured on the doc website. You can also get in touch with me via email at diamondsforourchildren at gmail.com to ask questions or share your thoughts with me. I can't wait to be with you again next week. Together, we create facets of a unified love that reflect light back onto the world.